drinking chocolate, coffee, and mezcal. This week, we're back in Oaxaca, Mexico. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week we visit a special foodie city and sample the best dishes and drinks from that place. And this week we're back in Oaxaca to finish our trip to the Mexican culinary capital with drinking chocolate, coffee, and fire water. My guest is Maria Itaca, a foodie tour guide from Culinary Backstreets who's from Oaxaca. Maria created the foodie tours of Oaxaca for Culinary Backstreets, and she's also a food writer. When Maria's not busy writing and giving tours, she works as a translator and fixer when TV shows come down to Oaxaca to tell the stories of food culture in the city. In other words, Maria is the perfect person to talk about this foodie hotspot. And last week, Maria and I talked about some of the most famous dishes in Oaxaca, like the Oaxacan tamales, a delicacy called huitlacoche, and her grandmother's spicy mole. This week, we're diving into the drinks of the region. Maria tells me about the surge in interest in mezcal and why chocolate made with no dairy is the best and the coffee culture of Oaxaca. And of course, if you missed last week's show with me and Maria talking Oaxaca, you can get that at radiomisfits.com or destinationeatdrink.com slash pod. In fact, Every episode of the show is there for you to download for free. Destination Eat Drink. We're, we're on agave now, and that means we've got to talk about mezcal, which is the distilled liqueur from the agave plant. Talk a little bit about mezcal. Um, people know about tequila, and tequila is also made from agave, but mezcal's a different uh, character altogether. Um, talk a little bit about mezcal. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's past 12 where you are, but if you are, maybe you <laughs> Doesn't can. Doesn't matter. <laughs> mezcal o'clock. <laughs> um, here is 11, so um, I won't. <laughs> uh, you can wait, Maria. I I'm can going wait. for I, it. <laughs> I can definitely wait. Um, well, you know, mezcal basically is tequila or the other way around. Tequila is a mezcal because mezcal is a drink that is uh, distilled from the agave, basically. That's a mezcal. The difference between tequila and mezcal is the kind of agave you use. So while tequila, you, when strictly speaking and theoretically speaking, tequila is only uh, produced or made with one kind of agave, which is the blue agave found in Jalisco area. Mezcal, on the other hand, can be made with many different agaves, many different wild agaves. So to learn more about mezcal, you need to learn more about the variety of agaves that we have in Oaxaca. And there are some agaves, for example, that need a, a lot of time to be ready to be turned into mezcal, to mature. Uh, some, for example, need up to 25 years to be ready. Oh, wow. uh, yes, it's it's amazing, and the flavor is great. And then you have a more standard agaves that are, you know, easier to 
um, domesticate, but also to find in the fields like espadín uh, that needs seven years only to be ready. So the flavor is very different. The espadín has more sugar. Um, so it's easier to, when you go and have a cocktail, for example, you can, um, you, they will always use espadín because it's cheaper. It, the production and the process of making mezcal with espadín is easier than with uh, the pextate that is the other on the other end of uh, you know 30, 25 years to grow. So, and the flavor changes a lot, but uh, let's forget about cocktails, just going back to mezcal per se. <laughs> um, the flavors are very different, no? Espadín or um, other kinds of agave tend to be more sugary, with, whereas other kinds like the pextate that needs 25 years, they are more mineral. And also they're harder to find because they are found in, you know, really steep uh, landscapes, really rocky areas full of uh, flowers and small herbs and rocks. So of course the flavor of this agave is, is closer to that, you know, to that landscape. And espadín grows uh, in flat fields. So it has different flavors and that's the, the world of mezcal. It needs um, a whole book about about it because the flavors is just, they're too different. I feel like in the last several years, mezcal has undergone this transformation in the public perception here in the United States, whereas, you know, it used to be more of a, a shot and, you know, getting drunk drink, whereas now you go into um, fancy bars and they'll have mezcal tastings of several different kinds of mezcal. How was mezcal viewed in Oaxaca? It has undergone a similar process here too. I remember when I was younger and I would go with some friends to have, you know, a drink in a bar. Mezcal for us was like, no, this is just for, you know, alcoholic people, you know, or (laughs) yeah, you need, yeah, this is like for really heavyweight in alcohol drinking and or we associated mezcal more with people from the villages no peasant mm. a peasant drink no for sorry village holidays and you know farm life and some people in other parts of mexico even from mexico city for example look down on mezcal like oh this is the cheap drink we didn't want other kinds of drinks uh I remember the price of mezcal even has changed so much. When I was 20, um, it, you know, to have a shot of mezcal, you maybe um, 20 pesos. And now mm. if wow. you go to a restaurant, it could be up to two, 200 pesos. Oh, $10. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, you know, it's, it's high, it's high class mezcal now. Oh yes, it is. And, and it depends really on the kind of agave that you're ordering. For example, if you go and order a shot of uh, espadín, you can find espadín for maybe 60, 70 pesos. But if you want a tepextate, that is the very big one that I told you, you can find a espadín shot for up to 400 pesos sometimes. Mexico is known as a chocolate producer. Mexico was where chocolate arrived, you know, is, is a new world Cacao is a new world plant. Chocolate didn't go to Belgium and uh, Switzerland and chocolate producing countries like that until um, 
people had come, uh, Europeans had come to Mexico and taken cacao back with them and learned how to make cacao from the indigenous people of Mexico. And my understanding in Oaxaca is that chocolate is still uh, enjoyed as a drink, as it was by the original indigenous people. Um, what's chocolate like now? How would we enjoy this chocolate drink? And how has it changed over the centuries? Well, chocolate is a sacred drink, no? Originally, um, based on what we know uh, of the pre-Hispanic, or well, I don't like to say pre-Hispanic because it seems like they uh, nothing happened before, no? Mm. The Spanish. Yeah, uh, but the native um, stories we've gathered throughout, uh, you know, all the years of research, we can find that uh, chocolate is a sacred drink that will be used for uh, ceremonies and before um, the warriors went to war because it gives them a stamina. But also it was deeply valued. It was used as a coin as well. So in that sense, it has always had this sort of very valued um, place in um, Mexican um, imaginary. And in Oaxaca, we still drink it. Uh, we, we have uh, chocolate bars, no? uh, like in a more European style, but the most traditional ways of drinking chocolate, of having chocolate is by drinking it. And in Oaxaca, we have two versions of uh, chocolate, which is water chocolate and milk chocolate. Mm. Uh, the the milk chocolate is you know like what what you know like um choco milk you know it's is um cacao that well chocolate that has been um boiled with milk and then turned into a, a beverage and here uh you can also find and that's the the real deal like that's the that's the best way to drink it because you can taste the chocolate per se you know like the flavor of the chocolate without you know, the fat of that brings the milk, you boil it with water. And some people find it really strange. Uh, but I think it's, it's really the best way because you can actually taste all the, this sort of um, uh, uh, spiced flavor of chocolate because here we prepare chocolate with uh, a bit of sugar and cinnamon. And for Europeans, that's very weird, but this is the way that used to be prepared here. Well, the cinnamon came with the Spanish, but before they put cinnamon, they used to put chile. Um, so chocolate is something we mix with some spices to give us stamina and to put us in a sort of elevated state of mind. And I would say that's the best way to eat chocolate. And right now, because of the fever that, happened with mezcal, but it's happening with chocolate as well here in Oaxaca is, you know, there are some producers that are starting to make bars in a more European way, but still using very old recipes where they find, where they add pepper or vanilla or um, chile, different kinds of chiles. And some have been more playful and they are cardamom, but they still treat chocolate in the way that um, the natives used to, you know, by roasting it and uh, um, basically by roasting it, no? That's the thing. You know, that's such an interesting point about the water and the chocolate being a more pure representation of the chocolate. Because back in the day, I used to be a, a gelato maker and I would make chocolate gelato, but I would also make chocolate sorbetto 
which is water-based. There's no milk in it. And people were people thought it was unusual, thought it was strange, but I always thought that it was the best representation of chocolate because there was no milk, no fat to coat your tongue and disturb the uh, the chocolate getting into your taste buds and really experiencing it. So I'm glad to hear about that with the chocolate, Maria. Well, I think you, you are, um, um, you could be here like fish in the water. Eh? <laughs> you have a lot of intuition about, about that. But I think I'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you'll really like it because it's, it's true. People, you know, uh, even from other parts of Mexico say like, what, chocolate without meal? That's weird. It's, they, they find it sometimes even gross. And for me, it's like, why? No, chocolate is fatty enough already. Like you don't need to add more fat. Uh, and also, uh, I'm, I will go back to mezcal really quickly here because it's, it's linked. <laughs> um, chocolate, you know, beverage, as a beverage and mezcal, are things that are considered to be sacred. And I think it's really interesting to go back to the way it used to be uh, consumed to understand its value and to protect uh, this tradition too, uh, without all these um, you know, advertising things and, and ways that make you believe is the best way to eat it, no? like adding milk, in the case of chocolate or turning into a cocktail in the case of mezcal. And you have to drink it with a peaceful state of mind and slowly. This is the thing with mezcal too and with chocolate. We don't drink it like quickly or in shots, like Coyote mm. Ugly style. No, in, in, <laughs> in Oaxaca, we say literally, we say you kiss mezcal, you kiss the chocolate, like little by little, despacito. Sounds like a lovely tradition. Um, before we let you go, Maria, I do want to talk about coffee a little bit because, of course, Oaxaca is a big exporter of coffee. If you go into fancy coffee places in the U.S., you can see Oaxacan beans being roasted. My question is, some coffee-producing areas, they don't have a culture of drinking coffee, Um I think a place like Ethiopia might spring to mind. They they haven't in the past really drunk a lot of coffee. They just export it. Are Oaxacans coffee enthusiastic coffee drinkers or just coffee growers? I think they are coffee drinkers, but I don't think they're enthusiastic or maybe they are... Um, they have their own ways, you know. If you bring an Italian and ask them to ask him <laughs> to have a coffee, uh, or a Turkish person, you know, to to have a coffee in a village, in a restaurant, in a village in Oaxaca, they will have a heart attack probably because here, <laughs> here people in the villages, not in the city, in the villages, which is really interesting, they prepare cafe de olla, like pot coffee. Uh, and what they do is they, when they're boiling the, the water, they add some sugar, uh, sometimes even brown sugar or white sugar and, and cinnamon, and then they mm. add the coffee. So this, the coffee is spiced. Well, you can tell at this point that we like spiced things. No? <laughs> spiced right, right. Things. Um, so he, here they, they add that and, and it's a very mild coffee is not as strong like espresso no so it's really really mild so people do drink coffee but i don't think they're like nerds about it you know like they, they <laughs> right, they're, right. Crazy, they're crazy about coffee but in the city is changing because of the 
amazing quality of coffee you can find here and we don't need to import or anything. So in the city, there is a culture of coffee developing and a lot of Australians somehow are attracted to Oaxaca. So they're bringing a lot of this, uh, you know, flat white and all these, uh, you know, Aussie <laughs> traditions of uh, drinking coffee. And many uh, baristas from around the world come here because the coffee that you find here uh, grows in very high areas, about 1,200 meters above uh, sea level and around uh, surrounded by jungle and they're all organic, uh, organic, organically grown. So the quality is really, really good. And it's interesting that you mentioned this now that we just talked about cacao because Oaxaca is one of the biggest exporters of coffee. And we are more into having uh, drinking chocolate rather than coffee, mm. way more. But it's funny because we drink a lot of chocolate and we don't produce a lot of cacao. It's a shame. Oh. But that's starting to change right now. Like some people are realizing like, well, we grow coffee, but we drink more cacao, chocolate. So some people are starting to grow cacao as well, just as coffee. So if I came down to Oaxaca, me and my girlfriend might get a flat white, which which I love. We've I've been obsessed with them since we were in New Zealand a couple of years ago. But I think we'd want to go out and have a have a chocolate. So um, we would say, Maria, where should we go for a drink of chocolate in Oaxaca? Where would you where would you say is a fun place to go? Well, there there are a few places in our in the tour with Culinary Backstreets. We stopped in a really nice place that they they are a collective, so they work with small producers, and that's really great, you know, because um, the smaller the the, the batch. The, the better, no? It, it, it's more delicate. Sure, right. It's, it's yeah, refined. Yeah. So um, in the city, we can find a lot of these little business that work with collectives. The one that we found in the tour are really, really nice because they are doing also a good social impact. Uh, but yeah, there are, there are a few places as well uh, around Oaxaca that are starting to offer good chocolate, but also, you know, like chocolate milkshakes, but using our traditional way of doing it, not, not adding a lot of milk or spicing the chocolate a little bit. Um, so there are, yeah, a, a few places. I don't know if you want me to give you some names, but I can think of many right now. Yeah. Give us one or two that you, that you think are really exceptional. Well, the chocolate, uh, we can say Caracol Purpura eh, and also El Rito. I think those two are really, really nice places to find chocolate. And in Caracol Purpura, you can find chocolate and coffee. So it's, it's a good combo. Uh, both. <laughs> Does anyone ever have a, a two cups in front of them, a chocolate and a coffee in front of them when they're in this place? Yes, yes. I, I have. I've, I've experienced that. No, I, I like... Uh, some well, not a, it's like a deconstructed mocha, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. You know, you have your a sip of one, a sip of the other, and you got this little uh, chocolate mocha thing going on. Perfect. Well, Maria, it's been just great talking to you. We'll have links to Culinary Backstreets tours in our show notes, and I just want to hop on a plane and come down and have some of this uh, great stuff in Oaxaca. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you for having me, and I really hope that you come and uh, to so I can give you a tour around here. And I really hope that this conversation um, 
makes people more interested about Oaxaca. I know we're receiving a lot of attention, but it's also interesting to see, uh, to learn in a deeper way, no? not, not, not only you know, the, the information you get through Instagram and things, because there are really a lot of, it's like a weaving, no? the story of Oaxacan food is also the story of Oaxacan political situation and cultural and linguistic. So it's really interesting to find what's behind you know, an innocent uh, leaf of Yerba Santa, there is a whole story. And I hope this is this triggers these sort of uh, explorations. All right, coffee and chocolate. That's definitely a program I can get behind enthusiastically. Get info about Maria's tours with Culinary Backstreets and other links in the show notes at radiomisfits.com. You know, I was flipping around the TV the other day and I came upon Christopher Kimball's Milk Street on PBS, and they were in Oaxaca, and guess who pops up on the screen? My buddy Maria. (laughs) That was really fun to see. Well, that'll do it for this week. Next week, it's fermentation in England, France, and Italy. Don't miss that. Until then, DestinationEatDrink.com is open for business. On the blog this week, there's a new story about shave ice. Yeah, I I said shave ice, not shaved ice. And make sure when you go to Hawaii, you call it the same, shave ice. It's a treat when you go to the Aloha State, and I've got the DL on what makes shave ice special and some of the best places to get when you visit Hawaii. Go to DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog for that story. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and head mezcal taster Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Get vaxxed, wear your mask, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.